0: What's up everyone? Welcome to BCL Coast to Coast, the official podcast of the Basketball Champions League and welcome to the quarterfinals. The round of 16 is complete. We have eight teams from eight different countries making it through the round of 16 to the BCL quarterfinals. The playoffs have been awesome so far and there's plenty of more great action to come. Here to talk about the round of 16 is Dave Hein over in Germany. Dave, how's it going this week?
1: And then there were eight. Yes. Fantastic. Great, great, uh, two, two weeks of games and, and definitely, uh, can't wait for the uh, quarterfinals to decide which four teams make it to the final four.
0: Yeah, the quarterfinals are going to be amazing. My name is Austin Green. I was so excited about the quarterfinals that I forgot to say that. And our guest on this week's podcast is James Feldine, the phenomenal wing from Hapoel Jerusalem. Uh, we were really excited to talk to James about Jerusalem's dominant victory over Neptunus in the round of 16 and much more. So stay tuned for that. Just a reminder, there's a short break before the quarterfinals. That round, it's another two-leg aggregate playoff with the first First leg on Wednesday, March 27th, and the second leg on Wednesday, April 3rd. And then after that, we'll have our field for the Basketball Champions League Final Four, which will be held May 3rd through the 5th, and will be hosted by one of the Final Four teams. Also, make sure you go check out the official website, championsleague.basketball, for all the highlights, stats, news, and analysis that you need to follow the BCL playoffs. Right now on the site, we have an article by Deacon Lloyd-Smith about some of the great point guards in our league and Igor Jurkovic's help side column about the eight teams qualifying from the eight different countries and just kind of what the BCL is all about. So make sure you go check those out. Also, subscribe to LiveBasketball.tv to watch all of these games live or on demand and download the official Champions League app. All right, Dave, let's jump in with the MVP and the team of the round from the round of 16.
1: Mid-range. Now Rice pulls off on the break. Oh, boy. Silky smooth. Jesus, back to right.
0: Good. Stepped into the three pointer. Starting off the team of the round from the round of 16, Paris Lee, the great point guard from Antwerp, he averaged 17.5 points, 4.5 assists, and 2.5 steals. As he led uh, the young kids from Antwerp to an upset victory over the number one seed, Uka Murcia. To Sean Thomas from Happowell, Jerusalem. He had 13.5 points, 7 rebounds, 65% shooting from the field as he helped them to a dominant win over Neptunus. Vladimir Dragasevich from Nizhny Novgorod, he averaged 15.5 points, 7.5 rebounds, and shot 60% from the field as Nizhny hung on in Venice uh, to beat Venezia in advance to the quarterfinals. Vince Hunter, Mr. Consistency from Ike Athens, he had 15.5 points, 9.5 rebounds, and shot an incredible 74% from the field as the defending champions took out their fellow Greek team, Pauk, and advanced to the quarterfinals. And the MVP from the round of 16... Tyrese Rice from Broza Bomberg, he finished with 26 points per game, 4.5 assists, 49% shooting from the field, and he absolutely lit up Banvit in the second leg on the road, dropping 32 points to lead Bomberg to a tough victory and through to the quarterfinals. Dave, I know you've been really excited about uh, all of these guys, but one in particular, why don't, why don't you give some more love to your man, Sean Thomas?
1: You know, I've talked about him when we had our underrated. I think almost every time I've picked him as an underrated guy. You know, on the team with all those stars and big names, um, you know, you you said Mister Consistency. You could say that about about uh, uh, about Deshaun Thomas. Definitely. You know, twelve point four points, six point one rebounds, two point two assists, one point five blocks, zero point nine. Uh, steals an 18.5 efficiency, which only uh you know Vince Hunter, Jared Grant, Caleb Green, and Bobby Carter That's it. Those are the only guys that have a better um, average efficiency than than Tashawn Thomas. Uh, and he's shooting 69 percent from the field for the season. Uh, and that includes 38% five of 13 threes. Uh, I've loved this guy all year. I, and, and every time I've had a chance to mention him, I have, and, uh, really happy that, uh, that, uh, from so many guys, uh, from that great team that he was selected for the, for the round, for the team of the round. Uh, and, uh, yeah. So otherwise, you know, you can maybe say Kendrick Perry, you know, he didn't do very much scoring wise in the other, in the, in the, uh, in the second, second leg, you know, he had the huge first game, uh, but, uh, really nobody else. Um, I think everybody else is, is, is pretty safe.
0: Yeah, for sure. I just wanted to give a shout out to honorable mention Jeremy Singlin, who had 18 points, seven rebounds and three assists for Nanterre. Uh, without Dominic Waters, they really needed Singlin to step up and he did that. He hit big shots whenever Nanterre needed them. So shout out to Singlin for a great performance, uh, helping the French side advance to the quarterfinals. All right, Dave, let's jump in uh, to some of the game by game breakdowns for the round of 16. How will Pauk respond? Goss loses it. Delroy James with the steal. Delroy James with the dunk. First up, the game I was lucky enough to be at: Ike versus Pauk. Pauk actually won the second leg, sixty-three to sixty-two, but Ike win the aggregate, one forty-six to one thirty-eight, to advance. Uh, the atmosphere in Athens was crazy. The Ike fans were out in full voice full force. They had the drums going. They were chanting, singing, screaming. Uh, shirts were coming off by the end of the second half. Uh, it, was, it was just a great environment. Smoke was drifting through the air. Rolls of cash machine paper were flying onto the court at various points. Uh, it, was, it was a raucous crowd and a great environment, cheering on Ike, the defending champions, as they advanced. It, w- it was a bit of an ugly game, very physical, uh, exactly what you would expect from two Greek teams in a playoff environment uh, but it was, it was a lot of fun to be at so I was happy to be there uh, Dave watching from afar what jumped out to you from this one uh,
1: you know you mentioned uh, you mentioned the the physicalness of it um, and you know Pauk has been a great shoot three point shooting team all year and you know they only made four 18 and uh, for 22 percent their worst performance from three point line all year um, and you look at the other thing that really stood out for me was the the, the rebounding dominance um, of Paul with forty three twenty eight, but zero second chance points. So they just couldn't take advantage of 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 that. And uh, I mean, maybe maybe talk a little bit about the feeling in the arena. You know that it was a it was a five point game you know, Pauk was leading and, and, you know, we kind of talked about, okay, you know, got down to nine points at the end of the, um, at the end of the first leg, uh, after Hatcher hit the three to make it, uh, make it a five-point lead for Pauk. Maybe just talk about the feeling there. Uh, And then the euphoria after uh, uh, Mashulis at the three. Talk a little bit about that, maybe.
0: Yeah. So you mentioned Pauk struggling from the three-point line, only 22% shooting. Uh, Ike were even worse, 20% shooting, six of 30 from the three-point line. And things were definitely very tense in the third quarter. The crowd was getting nervous. Uh, At one point, Malcolm Griffin committed an unsportsmanlike foul that led to a four-point possession. And that put Pauk up four. But I think there were several moments where you saw the championship experience and the veteran leadership of Ike really coming through. So after Pauk went up four, Dusan Sakota hit a nice little fadeaway uh, in the post, just very calm uh, to to bring Ike back in it. And then like you mentioned, Pauk stretched the lead to five, but Machulis hit this like fadeaway three-pointer. Next possession, Delroy James uh, picked Phil Goss's pocket, went down for the huge dunk. And yeah, it was it was a nervous crowd there for a couple minutes, but these veteran guys with championship experience, they stepped up and uh yeah, like you like you said, just absolute euphoria after that Machulis three and that James dunk. I think everybody um, you know really settled down, the crowd got into it even more, and I, I think from that point on it was pretty clear that Ike were gonna win. Uh, Vince Hunter... 11 points and 7 rebounds in this game. Every time that guy touches the ball, good things happen. Uh, It still baffles me a little bit that Ike don't feed him even more because that guy's just amazing, but he was excellent again in this game. So Ike, with the win, they advance. Uh, The defending champions have been great all season long, and they look very dangerous heading into the quarterfinals. The team that they will be facing also looks pretty incredible right now. Broza Bomberg winning on the road at banvit 88 to 85 winning the aggregate 169 to 164 this was a very very tight game throughout but tyrese rice stepped up 32 points mvp of the round to lead bomberg to victory dave what did you think about the german side pulling out the win on the road in turkey
1: Here's something newsflash, a close game for, for Bamberg. Uh They've had 16 games this year and, and uh, only three have been decided in double digits. Uh, you know, it was something that uh, also in the league, they had played so many close games as well. Um, yeah. I mean, what can you say? I mean, it, it, you know, Rice was, was big all game uh, and, you know, We we thought Neil would show up and he did. Morgan had a great game as well, but in the end, you know, it's it's it was just a little bit of execution, and uh, you know, especially free throws. You know, uh, Bomberg were amazing at the free throw line. Uh, Hickman had a big fourth quarter at the free throw line, seven of seven, and yeah, I mean, I think I think all of those close games paid off. Uh, For Bamberg, you know, just knowing how to play these games and uh, and yeah, they 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 executed down the stretch and uh, congratulations to to Bamberg and I'm looking forward to checking out the uh, first leg of uh, Bamberg against Ike.
0: Yeah, that's going to be a, an amazing game in Freak City. I'm pretty jealous of you that you'll be at that one. Uh, I, one thing that I thought of during this game was when we talked to Nico Zizis on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, we asked him why he thought that Bomberg would advance to the quarterfinals. And he said that he trusted their players in clutch situations. They have, you know, he mentioned that Tyrese Rice is a top three clutch player that he's ever played with. They also have veterans like Hickman, um, Jesus himself of course and he was absolutely right. Like you said, Bomberg they made the better decisions in the crunch time. Uh they didn't commit as many silly fouls. They weren't reaching in in dangerous situations and they converted at the free throw line which is which is something that you have to do and you know you look at that first leg in Bomberg, Banvit were only 10 of 21 at the free throw line They left a lot of points on the table and in an aggregate score where they lost by only 5 points that's just really got to be devastating for them. So Bomberg, the veteran leadership, the clutchness, uh, I think that really came through. And how about that play with 0.5 seconds on the shot clock, that that alley-oop to Tyrese Rice, which... (laughs) Is not a sentence I ever thought I would say. Uh, but the, the full court pass was amazing. Um, or the, or the half court pass was amazing. Rice with the finish. That was, that was just a brilliant play. So Bomberg, uh, tough win certainly deserved to advance. And that, that matchup against Ike is going to be amazing. That could easily be a championship game in this competition. So to get that in the quarterfinals is going to be incredible. Moving on to. A team that I think I think everyone's probably pretty surprised that they've made it this far based on their performance in the regular season. But Nanterre, ninety two with the win over Besiktas, they won the second leg sixty two to sixty on the road. They win the aggregate one thirty to one nineteen. Like I said, Jeremy Singlin was very clutch for Nanterre in a game where they were struggling offensively. He came up with some big plays. Uh, Dave, what, what did you think about the French side advancing? Past an injured Besiktas squad, uh,
1: you know, Senglin was was you know really fantastic uh, in the first first half. Had sixteen of his of his eighteen points, and you know a team that we've talked all season about how great they've been. Um, you know, shooting the three pointers, uh, they only made one of their first ten, and there was just really just their one section in the se- in the um, uh, in the third quarter where they had 5 of 6 and uh, if you take away that stretch they were 3 of 18 and 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 you know they didn't they weren't able to score um, you know except that little push right there otherwise they just kind of kept it close Bashik is obviously missing Jason Rich uh, you know Robin Bensing as well um, you you look at Pressy you know scored uh scored 19 uh, 17 points Gibson 15 points uh Pressy he's only scored three times, uh, in double figures all season. So you, you knew that he, somebody was going to have to stop and he, he tried and, but to, to overcome an, a nine point deficit uh, from the first leg, they're just not enough production with rich. Maybe you can do it, but, um, but without rich, you know, you didn't, you just didn't have enough offense. Um, you know, even, uh, you know, Gibson has been scoring of late, you know, five of those last six games were in double figures, but again, just without those. Um, with just without it, enough scoring punch to make up uh, nine points is, is just too much. And, you know, in Ontario, you have to look and say, okay, they've given up 62 or fewer points in their last three games, the two Besiktas games and Jolone, Um, and they've won six of seven. So, you know, this is a team uh, that's going into the the, the quarterfinals uh, against Bologna. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's a team that's peaking at the right time. So...
0: Moving on, Bologna, they blew out Le Mans in the second leg. This was a tie, 74-74 to 74 in the first leg in France. Bologna, uh, though, with their new head coach, Sasha Georgievich, made Djordjevic, they made a bold move changing coaches right before this game, but... They played very well in his debut, beating Le Mans 81 to 58 in Italy. Dejan Kravich was excellent. Uh, he finished with sixteen points on eight of eleven shooting. Lamont just really had no answer for him in the paint, especially early on. He uh he kind of set the tone early for Bologna. Kevin Punter revived himself after a, a very rare poor game in the first leg. He finished with 12 points and Le Mans just were not able to get any sort of offense going, only 58 points in this game, their lowest total in the BCL. Uh, Dave, what what did you think about Bologna just really, you know, kind of putting their authority on this game?
1: You know, I think it's interesting that when you look at, um, when you look at Dejan Kravic, obviously a, a Serbian uh, and the, you know, the Serbian national team coach, uh, Sasha uh, Sasha Drogjevic coming in, um, you look at Kravic, and he took the most shots of anybody on the team, eight of 11, uh, scored season high 16 points, and had a, had a season high 11 shots. Um, and uh, Philippe, Felipe Balderossi also had a season high 12 points and uh, five of eight shooting. You know, Taylor only took six shots. Uh, Aradori only took six shots. Aridori took six shots after, after taking 40. In his last three games, punter only had nine shots, um, and uh, you know only twice he had eight eight shots all season. So, y- 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 what changed? And it's to me it seems clear that he's that Georgevich has said, "All right, this different distribution of the shots," and uh, and if this is the kind of results, I mean, we've talked about all season. We've talked about how great these players are that. Uh, that Bologna have that Vertus Bologna have, and if they're able to do these type of you know, um, you you know get all of these weapons going on at the same time, you, you know Punter really didn't do that much. You know he only had he only had twelve points. Like I said, he only had, had nine shots. So you you look for what changed overnight, and basically you look at the distribution of shots, and uh, you know they did a good job on Kendrick Ray. You know, he, he only had six points, one of nine, one of nine shootings, zero of six threes. Um, so clearly it was shut down, shut down Ray and, uh, and, and give different distribution to the shots.
0: Yeah. I think that's a great play. And, Bologna were one of the teams with the lowest assist totals throughout the regular season. There was a lot of isolation, a lot of one-on-one play. They had twenty-five assists in this game. There you go. So that I think that says it all. Twenty-five assists, only nine turnovers. Great job taking care of the ball. And yeah, with with Georgevich, a very experienced coach. Uh, once he has some more time to work with this team over the next couple of weeks, I think we're going to see a very very dangerous Bologna squad entering the quarterfinals. Moving on to one of the upsets in terms of seeding, but Dave and I both predicted this one back in our round of 16 preview podcast. Antwerp, Telenet Antwerp Giants, they lost the second leg. On the road at Murcia 78 to 77, but they win the aggregate 152 to 145. We mentioned Paris Lee on the team of the week. Ishmael Bako was also great in that game. Tyler Kalinowski was phenomenal for Antwerp. Uh, Dave, what, what did you think about the young kids taking down Murcia on the road?
1: you know a little bit of this is mercia too you know i mean it was going back and forth at the uh, at the nine points uh you know it, they mercia had lost the first leg by eight points and it was kind of going back and forth uh around the four, f- 4 3 minute mark uh and and then and then uh, mercia just kind of settled for threes didn't try to run things and just kind of settled for threes took um uh, missed uh missed five straight threes didn't score in the final 354 uh, when they were, when they had been up and, and just, you know, like I said, just settled for, for threes and instead of, uh, you know, drive to the basket and, and trying to go to the free throw line just, you know, couldn't really solve anything. And, and, uh, and, you know, it would have been interesting to see if they had tried to go in and, 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 and try to, to feed, you know, Kate, who is, we've talked about all season being such an efficient, uh, player around the basket, um, or or a drive and kick and just it didn't really they didn't really do very much on offense and 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 uh, you know you have to tip your hat also for defense uh, from 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 Antwerp but you know you you look at you look at the the Antwerp side and uh, and you know they did just enough. I would say in this one, you know, especially offensively, defensively, you know, did a pretty solid job. Not not spectacular, but a, a solid job. Forty three percent shooting for for Mercia is okay um, as a de- from a defensive standpoint. So um, you know, tip your hat to the kids for for doing it over eighty minutes against a lot of players who fin who who finished. Uh, third in the, uh, in the, uh, in the, in the BCL last year.
0: Yeah. Morcia were a final four team last season. And I think that was a great point with them struggling in crunch time, settling for three pointers. I thought they were at their most dangerous in this game when Charlon Kloof was attacking off the dribble and getting to the rim or, yeah, getting some, some dribble penetration and some kickouts for open looks. But like you said, just settled for too many threes and, it wasn't only in the second game that they struggled with late game execution. Remember, in the first leg in Antwerp, Antwerp closed that game on an 8-0 run. They win the aggregate by seven points. So that, that last flurry there in Belgium was absolutely crucial. Uh, Paris Lee with the buzzer-beating three. Sean Tate had some some buckets late in that game in the first leg. That ended up making a huge difference in the final score. So Telenet Giants-Antwerp, nobody on the team older than 27. The young kids advance to the quarterfinals. This is by far the furthest that a Belgian team has ever gone in this competition. So shout out to the kids from Antwerp. And that is going to set up a phenomenal point guard matchup in the next round as Nizhny Novgorod advance and they will face Antwerp in the quarterfinals. Nizhny lost to Venezia 84 to 66 in the second leg, but they win the aggregate 161 to 156. Dave, uh thank God for that 23 point win, right?
1: Yeah, the the first thing I wrote when I was doing my notes was just too big of a hole. <laughs> um you, you know, it was it was 18 points uh, with uh, with uh, three minutes left, and I think Brahmos missed two threes in a row. Uh, no, with a minute left, 18 points, and you thought, okay, well, you know, that's five points you can, and then, but you know, once Brahmos missed those two threes, you knew it was, uh, you know, you knew that they were they were they were into the quarterfinals. Just too big of a hole, you know. Just played too bad. And any time you know international competition, you know, if you're in a group stage and 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 you have uh, like uh, of a of a of a Euro basket or whatever, and you have a bad game where you lose by 16, 15 points, those, those results kill you. And that's exactly what happened in this one. You know, Venezia, you know, we've talked about that they could score all these points, but making up 23 against a team that really specializes in defense, you know, that's just pretty much impossible and you know they were close but you know again like I said too just too big of a hole
0: yeah shout out to Stefano Tonut from Venezia he finished with 26 points he did all he could offensively to to try to get Venezia back in this one but yeah 23 points a massive margin and against a a good Nizhny team I didn't really think it was ever possible uh, that they were going to come back from that they did get close like you said but Nizhny, thanks to Vladimir Dragasevich, uh, really just, you know, he was he was great in this game. We mentioned he made the team of the round. He finished this game with 21 points, eight rebounds, 11 of 12 from the free throw line. And, and Nizhny really needed all of those. So great performance by him. And I'm excited to see them in the quarterfinals. Uh, Deacon in our group chat and Skype mentioned that either, either Nizni or Antwerp will make the final four, which is, would be a big surprise based on where these teams were earlier in the season. There's always at least one surprise team that makes it. Uh, and, and this matchup looks like it's going to produce one of those teams. Moving on, Tenerife. Versus Prometheus, we had mentioned several times last week that no team has ever lost the first leg by 10 points or more and gone on to advance. But of course, Tenerife now the first team to do it after losing the first leg by 12 against Prometheus. They won the second leg by 22 on their home court, winning this game 79 to 57 and winning the aggregate 136 to 126. Dave, uh, I, I guess we, we shouldn't be too shocked that if any team was going to do it, it was Tenerife.
1: Yeah, I guess so. I guess. Yeah, sure. Let's, let's say that it's no, it's true. Um, you look at this and um you know last week i i mentioned that you know S- S- um sebastian size uh, a goose egg in 2 minutes and 4 seconds and then he comes back and has 13 points uh 6 rebounds 3 steals and a block uh brusino had a goose egg in nine and a half minutes in the first leg, and then he comes back with twelve points, three assists two steals um I don't know I don't know if that's good or bad to 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 make that point you know it's like you have a got you have two guys that combine for twenty five points a week after they go scoreless in whatever twelve twelve minutes you know. All right, it's great to have you know a, a, a deep roster of, of of players, but you know, are you gonna you know who you who are you really gonna be able to 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 count on? You know, you know we we talked. I I talked a lot. I thought that maybe the athleticism of 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 Parks and uh, and Ellis was going to have an impact on this one, and neither of those guys were, were really able to do anything. They really couldn't stop Iverson, who kind of had foul trouble, but. Prometheus couldn't get anything going. They they missed so many shots. Okay, there's the defense there's the defensive of, of course, but you know, they couldn't hit anything. And uh you know, 28% for the game. You know, f- you know, that's that's impossible to to uh to even hold up a 12 point a um, uh, 12 point advantage. You got uh, you got 5 points uh 5 points Uh, from your two American athletic bigs, Ellis and parks in looks like six, 15 minutes. Um, yeah, just nothing worked for Prometheus and, and then, and, Pretty much everything. You know, we, we also said last point, and last point was, um, you know, three of 23 points from uh, uh, from Tenerife last week. We knew that that wasn't going to happen again, and they were much, much closer to what they usually are with nine of 21, uh, 43%. So, you know, yeah, Tenerife, you know, I, I still have one more chance for them not to make the final four, and that's Hothful Jerusalem. So my, my bold prediction still has a solid chance of coming true.
0: Yeah, that'll be a really great matchup. We'll we'll talk about the Jerusalem side there in a second. Uh, Just a a quick shout out to Ryan Brown, who missed the first leg of this series, came out in the second leg, had 20 points, six rebounds. Uh, He was one of the few guys for Prometheus who was able to get it going offensively. But you mentioned their struggles uh, from the three-point line, only four of 19, that's 21%. From the field in general, they only shot 28%. So a, a really rough offensive performance from Prometheus on the road. I don't know if it was maybe the pressure of the situation or the Tenerife crowd or Tenerife's defense, probably a combination of all of those things. But uh, yeah, you have to feel for Prometheus a little bit after, after looking so promising in the first leg, upstart club really out uh, looking to, to make a name for themselves. Uh, but just Tenerife, too powerful in this one. Well, I think also just one
1: last point, you know, this was a this was a 13 point game uh, for Tenerife already um, after 10 minutes. And so you had a team that was rolling. They scored 27 points in the first quarter already. And this, you know, this team can score and you already got guys going. Um, and so you're, you're chasing, you're, you know, you're trying to, to stay disciplined on defense. You're not hitting anything on offense. And so, you know, just, that, I think that huge quarter for huge first quarter, which is exactly what, uh, Tenerife needed. They got, uh, you know, if they, if they had struggled out of the gate, does this, does this game look entirely different? Probably you know but you had 27 points and you already made up your your you already made up your your 12 points so huge uh huge first
0: quarter really carried them yeah, absolutely. And Tenerife's opponent in the quarterfinals, this is going to be an amazing matchup. They'll face Hapoel Jerusalem, who dominated against Neptunus. They won the second leg 84 to 64. They won the aggregate 170 to 138, the most lopsided series in the round of 16. Amari Stoudemire finished with 15 points. Our guest this week, James Felding had eleven. Tamir Blatt was doing his thing; he had ten assists again as he was setting up this powerful Jerusalem offense. We mentioned Tashawn Thomas, uh, Dave. Just too many weapons on this Jerusalem team, right? Yeah,
1: just too deep, too. You know, they pulled away in a third quarter, and you know that's you know, whenever whenever a team that has more, you know. Depth of talent, you know, you see them just wear wear the opponent down, and you know, you know, you're trying to make up twelve points on the road, and 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 against uh, you know just a, such a powerful team, and and then you weren't hitting threes, you know. We talk a little bit about that uh, with uh, with James Feltine so I'll let, I'll let him uh, talk about that. So yeah, just you know, Jerusalem way too much. We figured that it would be, you know, that would that would be even uh, a, a a bigger surprise or shock if that if um, if uh, Neptunus were able to come back, um, then then the um, then Tenerife. But
0: yeah, Jerusalem just too much. Yeah, hats off to Neptunus for a really strong season overall. But this was just a bad matchup for them going up against a team that was very athletic, tons of scoring. Uh, you know, if Neptunus had come up against a different team in the round of sixteen, maybe they advanced. But I don't think it was ever realistic that they were going to be able to knock off Happywell Jerusalem.
1: Just a note on Neptunus, Nep- uh, just, uh, Neptunus and Pauk both uh, exit in the round of 16 for the third consecutive season. So uh, hopefully next year, maybe we get a Pauk-Neptunus uh, round of 16
0: so one of these teams can reach the quarterfinals. Yeah, definitely possible. All right, Dave, let's move on to overtime. Five topics from around the league. First up, stat of the week. I'll throw it to you first on this one. What is your stat of the week? Um. There's a couple, but I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with
1: four, uh, and that is the Group C teams in the quarterfinals. Uh, all four teams that that reached the playoffs from Group C made it to the quarterfinals. Them being Ike, uh, Jerusalem, Bamberg, and Antwerp, Just to break down the other groups, one team from Group A, that being Nizni, two Group B teams, Tenerife and Namter. And Bologna is the lone representative of the group, the so-called Group of Death, I guess. I guess. Uh, so yeah, four is my is my stat of the week. What do you got?
0: Yeah, that's interesting. Of course that group C had four teams going through. I think, you know, we talked about all year that group D was probably the toughest. And I think I still think it was top to bottom, the toughest group, but group C, those four teams, uh, con- you know, congrats to them on making it this far. Uh, that was uh, a very cool to see. And it- it's cool to see the teams, uh, proud of that as well, kind of supporting each other on Twitter, mentioning, um, you know, That that Group C has done so well. For my stat of the week, I went with 94. That was 94% of the free throws made by Bomberg, 29 of 31 on the road in a hostile environment. That's absolutely incredible. And they really needed all of those points as they beat Banvit by five in the aggregate. So my stat of the week, Bomberg making 94% of their free throws on the road. Next up, surprise of the week. Dave, I'll start off this one. My surprise is Marquez Haynes only three points against Nisney in the second leg. He only had six points in the first leg. And when we were talking about Nizny versus Venezia, uh, the first thing that really jumped out was this great point guard battle between Kendrick Perry, Marquez Haynes, but really only one of those guys showed up. Kendrick Perry dropped 34 in the first leg to really set the tone for Nizny, get them that blowout win, uh, and put them in a great position to advance. Haynes didn't respond, only nine points total. I thought that was really surprising, and I, I expected more from him and more from this Venezia team in general. What's your surprise of the week?
1: Uh mine's kind of easy I guess. I just was surprised that Tenerife you know, looked so dominant um or or better I guess better said would were were allowed to look so dominant. You know, we we know that they can look dominant and stuff like that, but I thought that 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 um that Prometheus would would be able to do a little bit more. Um you know, 12 points is a lot of points to come back from and and to to pick up a 22 point victory like that uh i that su- that did surprise me it, it's if anybody could have done it me you know Tenerife maybe should have you know could have been one of the teams that do it but for me that it was a surprise that they ended up doing it
0: all right next topic overreaction Friday dave I'll throw it to you first on this one what's your overreaction
1: uh you know um I hate one of my biggest pet peeves is when anybody blames the refs for things um and you know you saw so much blame of the refs coming from bandit coming from Turkey um listen, you know, don't don't go 10 of 21 from the free throw line in the first leg. You know, don't make only 7 of 28 three-pointers, uh 25% in the second leg. You know, uh, overreaction never. In my opinion, never blame the refs. Don't turn the ball over 12, turn it over 9 times. You know, don't make don't make um, you know, don't make 69% of your free throws. Make, you know, 70 eight percent you know and those points that's where you get your points referee decisions you know in the first quarter maybe those decisions went in favor of Banvit, you know and and but nobody remembers that so that's my over, <laughs> overreaction.
0: All right, next topic, the team that made the quarterfinals that has changed the most since the beginning of the season. I'll start off this one. I'm going to go with Nanterre, who really struggled to start the season. They lost the first game to Opava, and then they lost the second game to Tenerife by 17 points. Uh, they they started out the year 1-3. and three with another loss to Pauk coming in October as well. But Nanterre really been rolling since then. Their offense has been excellent. Uh, you know, not not so much in the round of 16 with, with Dominic Waters out, but to close the regular season, their offense was great. Uh, even with Waters out, they were able to get past Besiktas with Jeremy Singlin stepping up, Julian Gamble, some of these other guys having really strong performances. So I'm going to go with Nanterre as the team that has changed the most. Uh, Dave, what do you have for this,
1: I you know I think probably changed the most. Um, I, I would probably this isn't actually my. I'm gonna I'm gonna actually have a second one that's actually my choice. But and you look at Bamberg, you know you, you look at Taylor Hickman both getting healthy. Um, they them letting uh, uh, Yelovets go, and then obviously the coaching change with uh, Federico Perego coming in uh, uh, or or stepping up and replacing the uh, the fired uh, uh, Bagatskis. But I'm gonna say. In in the past week, um, with uh, Sasha Georgievich coming in uh, as the head coach at Bologna, Um, you know this is a team that you know we already said everything, but and now you bring in not only a legend as a player, but I think we already should say that he's a legend as a coach. You know, uh, uh, you know, finished second at the World Cup 2014, finished second at the at EuroBasket 17, finished second at the Olympics. Uh, you know, uh, without having his guys for the World Cup qualifiers, uh, you know, squeaked into the into the World Cup, but everybody's going to be there. You know, I'm sure they're going to be a, 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 um, a podium contender in, in China. Um, so I'm going to say that the, the team that's changed the most, at least in the past week. <laughs> Uh, is Bologna with uh, Sasha Georgievich?
0: Yeah, great point there. And the last topic: what we'll miss most from the teams that were eliminated in the round of 16? I'll throw this to you first, Dave. Uh, who or what are you going to miss the most?
1: Uh, I'm going to miss Prometheus. You know, obviously, I mentioned a couple times that I went there, and and um, and uh, I'm going to miss that whole story. It would have been cool to see that, you know, keep going, and now just see what they're able to do in the Greek league. Um, and, and, and just one other player I'm going to mention is, is, uh, Emmanuel Cate, you know, this, uh, another guy that I wrote about, uh, very, very early in the season in the homegrown section, uh, uh, for the, for the website. And, you know, we've really, really seen him totally step up and really become a leader, uh, in this team. And, and, uh, you know, he, he had seven blocks. It's something we didn't mention, uh, in the, uh, in the Mercia, a game against uh Anverp, you know at seven blocks and you know uh is is a just a a guy young romanian who's just been fantastic all year and uh i'm gonna miss uh being able to easily watch games it's hard it, i don't really watch a lot of acb games so uh i will i will miss uh watching his games with mercy what do you what, what are you gonna miss
0: yeah, Prometheus is definitely one for me. I'm going to miss seeing Ryan Brown flying through the air for alley-oops. I, I love that guy. I love the way he competes defensively. So I'm, I'm bummed that he's not going to be there. I'm going to say Banvit, though. I, I really liked this team, uh, the additions that they made, bringing in Gary Neal, Mackenzie Moore, DJ Shelton. This was a really t- fun team to watch with the way they compete. Uh, I'm going to miss Jordan Morgan, who had 23 points and 14 rebounds in the second leg against Bomberg. That guy's been great to watch all season as just a, just a monster who just battles in the paint. So I'm going to miss Jordan Morgan and Banvit, uh, but, you know, I, I probably would have missed Tyrese Rice even more. So so congrats to Bomberg making it through to the quarterfinals. That's going to do it for overtime. Coming up next, we have our interview with James Feldine, one of the best players from potentially the best team this season, Hapoel Jerusalem. We talked to James about beating Neptunus in the round of 16, Jerusalem's chances in the quarterfinals against Tenerife, and much more. So stay tuned for that. Dave and I will catch you on the other side of the interview to wrap things up.
1: Feldeen, again! threes are just dropping here in Jerusalem for James Feldeen.
2: Feldeen, another three. Why not?
1: So, on the show this week, we have James Felding from Hapo, Jerusalem. Uh, uh, James, uh, thanks for taking some time to to be on the show this week.
2: Thank you, guys, for having me. No problem.
1: Um, congratulations are in order. You guys uh, reached the quarterfinals. Um, we're able to collect, uh, I guess you can kind of say, two comfortable victories uh, over Neptunus, Klaipeda, um, maybe just more business as usual kind of like it's, you guys have been doing all season uh, maybe just look back at this uh, at these two games against the Lithuanian club I
2: mean, uh, yeah we knew it was a tough team uh, they beat um, they beat um, Ligeris in their, in their in their league in Lithuania so we knew there was a tough um, tough opponent so we had to bring our A game um, especially starting off their their place uh, was kind of like you no, know, we we haven't really done that. Um, we played a good team on the road since we played Ike and Dan Bird and stuff like that. So um, we started off with the first game. We we wanted to make a a push. Uh, we started the first game really really strong and you know did what we wanted to do. We um, then, you know at home you know we had a different team. So uh, we started off the game pretty slow. You know referees um, were kind of controlling the game in the first half, but then. Thankfully, the second half we started playing better, and you know we built that lead in the third quarter and, and they're comfortable.
1: One one of the things about Lithuanian teams you can always say is that they they shoot well from three point range. They were sort of the uh, upper third uh, coming into the two games at I think it was thirty six point five percent. You guys uh, held them to nine of fifty two, which is seventeen percent over eighty minutes. Um obviously that played a big role in your victory. Was that was that sort of the game plan to to really t- kind of take uh their shooters uh out of the out of the mix?
2: Yeah, I mean they have that uh I don't know how to say his last name but number 9 the real the old guy that can really shoot the ball.
1: Dellonicidas. Um, yeah, we,
2: yeah, we would definitely focus on him. Um you know he killed us the first game. He kind of surprised us a little bit. Um yeah, they, they had they have great shooters. Uh, they, they're a team that we we try to run off the line and make them sh- uh, shoot pull up jump shots because um, they had big wings that could finish at the rim. So we had a different different uh, you know mentality. We had we had different uh, scheme defensive schemes. Um, you know, we had to go big on the point guard sometimes. We had to go big on Weaver because he's a good power shot pick and roll. Um, so we had a lot of different schemes, um, but. Definitely getting off the line, and and the post up was uh, their post up game was definitely key for them too. You know, Grant is a great passer off the post, Um, he's a good scorer, he's he's physical. Um, So we we had a lot of keys to the game, and but three point is definitely one of them.
0: Yeah, James, and looking back at the regular season, uh, you had a lot of great games personally, including 35 points against Nimburg, the week that you were MVP of the week. Uh, you made 9 of 12 three-pointers in that game, which I think is probably a career high for you as a professional. Uh, where does that game rank for you in terms of individual uh, games that you've had? I mean, It's, it's definitely up there.
2: Um, I would want to stay maybe number two. Um, I, I had a big a, a game um, when I was in Spain, my son and brother. I forgot how much it was. It was a little bit more than 35, but it was. I mean, it was It was a big win. I mean, it was a big game. You know, I did my first year playing Champions League. And, you know, mm-hmm. just uh, at that time, I, I wanted to show that, you know, it's it going to be a long season for guys. So, um, and I felt hot. I mean, my teammates got me involved early. Uh, my coach had some plays for me real real early in the quarter. Um, and I, I saw a few go in the first quarter. And from then, it was just like, oh, I'm just going to keep on trying and see how many I can make tonight.
0: Yeah, and, and bringing it to the team, I saw in a different interview that your Dominican Republic teammate Edgar Sosa uh, had a yeah. big role in your decision to pick Jerusalem. Uh, what, yeah. what did he tell you about about Jerusalem, and why did that make you want to sign with the team?
2: You know, I've heard I've heard many good many good things about uh, on Jerusalem. Um, you know, but right, right when they offered me, I was actually with him, um, and I, I was just talking to him and. Because he was here for uh, about three months, I want to say maybe two three months, and you know he came into a, 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 a kind of messed up situation because they they already had like two point guards and you know they were trying to bring in him for the Israeli league and you know some rules over over here that so many Americans can play and so it was, was kind of weird for him but you know he still he even told me he still told me it was great it was great great organization and great people in his organization great fans. Um, great city, you know, it's, it's holy land, man. It's, so it's, it's, he loved it. Um, so I was, I was, I just thought about it a few hours and I mean, it was a no brainer. I asked also, uh, Taylor Rochester who was my teammate last year in, in Red Star. Um, he played for Maccabi. So I was asking him about Tel Aviv and what's the difference, how far is it and what is things to do out there. And, you know, he was saying great things too. So, um, yeah, it was a no brainer
1: the team's really had a great season. Um, and you know, obviously it's sort of a revamped team, a lot of new guys coming in and, um, you know, having, having a high level of talent is, is one thing, but, but, uh, getting them to, to really work together and, uh, play as a team, play as a unit, accept roles and everything. Um, maybe, maybe just talk about how comfortable you feel with this team and, and, uh, and uh, you know how, how how did it work out that you guys gelled so fast?
2: I mean, I, I don't know. That's something that I've been trying to think about. I mean, every, every kind of every interview I have been doing, um, they ask me that question: how, how 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 we just came together as a team? You know, it's a, it's a basically brand new team. Um, you know, they brought back this, um, kind of the same Israeli guys, but you know, all the Americans are brand new. Um, so it was, it was definitely um, a process, but I think we just. You know, we have so many professionals on this team, so many older guys, and, you know, we came in um, first day on just, you know, trying to to come together. And we knew it was going to be a special season um, because the organization wanted a a, a kind of different, they wanted to go a different way from last season. You know, coming into Champions League, uh, first year in Champions League, um, which the history Judas has was was big for them. So, you know, training camp was definitely big for us. Um, we we did a lot of practicing, a lot of you know team dinners, a lot of team outings, uh, and that brought us together. Um, I think after a while, we just sat down and, and we you know everybody knows their role on the team and understands what they need to do every day to to make this team good. So uh, I think now we just at a point that you know we 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 just can't look back. We can't think we can't be satisfied with what we've done. Um, just qualifying for the top eight. Uh, we, we want more, so um, I think knowing that and, you know, us winning the Cup uh, a few weeks ago has just definitely boosted our energy, too, so, um, I mean, it's a lot of things. I'll be thinking about it sometimes. i just like you know, it's a great group of guys, man. They All these guys want to win. Um, I think that's a big, big, big key for us. Uh,
1: one of the words you used uh, when you were talking about your extension for two more years uh, that you signed in January was home. Uh, you said you wanted to find a home to stay a few years. Uh, maybe just talk about your thought process uh, when you went and uh, si- signed the extension through to 2021.
2: I mean, I, I mean, I'm, you know, this is my ninth season overseas. And, um, you know, there's a lot of Americans in, in Europe and, you know, I just, I feel like I've been, I've been to so many places and jumped around so many countries and so many teams. You know, I feel like I'm at an age. I just, you know, I want to, I wanted to find a home. I wanted to build something, build a relationship with people, and you know try to try to do something special and when I, my first couple months here, I knew this was a special place, and I knew I was talking to the organization, I knew what, who were coming back and and you know who who they trying to sign and and stuff like that. So um, I felt comfortable and um, they wanted me and I wanted to stay, so um, you know all we needed to do was just sign the papers um, basically. It didn't even take too long. Um, but yeah, like I said, I want to, I want to, I want to go home in the summer and know, like, okay, now I know where I'm going. I'll be here for the next two years, hopefully longer. Um, you know, just try to build something special, try to win some championships for this organization, for the fans, and you know, for my career.
0: Yeah, you you mentioned a minute ago that you guys just have like a lot of professionals on this team, a lot of veterans. Uh, One of those guys is is Amari Stoudemire, who obviously, you know, was a superstar in the NBA. Now seems like he's really embracing the European experience. Uh, What's it been like playing with Amari this season?
2: He's great, man. Uh, He's amazing. He's he's humble. Uh, He doesn't use that, you know, I was a superstar in the NBA card. Never, I haven't heard that ever. Um, You know, he's, he's a guy that works really, really hard. Um, He does a lot of extra stuff, tries to stay in shape. As you know, he only plays once a week in the Champions League. So, um, he's he's just a professional. Just that's that's him. Um, He loves, he loves to win. You know, he loves to get on guys trying to make each other better every day in practice. He brings it every day. Um, He stays on top of us um, knowing what we need to do on the court and film. He just knows how to, he knows how to win um, at a high level. So, I think he's just bringing that energy and that um, all that emotion he has on the court, um, and it's just you know falling to us. Uh,
1: another couple of great guys that you've played for, great players that you've played with, uh, Dimitris uh, Dimitidis, uh, Nick mm-hmm. Kaletas, uh two you know world class point guards. Really, uh, you have a a young a youngster right there with you in Jerusalem and Tamir Blad. Everybody everybody knows you know his story. Um, you know he's been impressing us. You know this whole season. You know he's 21. He seems you know very mature for his age. Uh, you're with him all the time. What do you think about him? What do you think about his game, uh, future-wise?
2: I mean, like you said, I've been with two great point guards, and he—that's the first thing he asked me when I first met him. Um, he was like, "How how was it playing with them? Just you know, try to try to um, teach me some things what you learn from him. And he knows I've been around some great players, some great um, teams, and um, he's learning. Man, he, he definitely. He, he's definitely gotten better over this, over the season. Um I didn't know he was 21 until maybe November. Uh, I just the way he plays, the way he he acts, um the way he works, it's just he he does he knows what to do, you know, with with his father being a coach, he, he understands what he needs to do to get better and you know he he's he's, he's a big key for us. He's a starting point guard at, at 21 like you said um, as you, you barely see that overseas, so um, coach has a lot of confidence in him. Um, I think playing with the national team is giving him confidence too. um, playing with, with, with guys like me and, and Amari and, and, and Josh Owens and J. Colin Brown is, 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 is boosted his is confidence. And he knows that he can play and he can hang and and we depend on him. And I think that, that helps him and helps him in his mind. And when he's playing bad, we always pick him up. We always try to tell him, keep shooting, keep shooting, keep attacking, um, you know, he's small for his for 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 for, his, uh, for this game, but you know, he has the heart. He has heart for it. Um, he shows it every single time. Um, but yeah, I, I like where he's going. Uh, he has a bright, bright future. Um, hopefully, nobody steals us steals him from us this summer, and <laughs> I get another year with him next season.
0: Yeah, l- looking at your career, um, I think one of the the themes that you can kind of see is a little bit of like i I guess kind of like starting from the bottom kind of and working your way up you know you went to uh quinnipiac small Mm -hmm. uh pretty small college and then uh ended up winning most improved player in that conference one year and then ended up being first team all conference and then looking at your professional career you know starting in the second division in spain for a couple years and then working your way up to to some of the biggest clubs in europe um, exactly. you know, w- with that in mind, what what do you think that kind of says about, you know, your personality and your work ethic?
2: I don't know. It's just, you know, I always had the chip on my shoulder, like people say, um, is, you know, I just, sometimes I think about it. Sometimes I just say like, you know, it's part of the process you know, I started from the bottom, like you said, from a small school and, you know, I, my whole life just, I've been doubted and, you know, like always, Second man up, or I'm never. You know, I was never in the spotlight, so I mean, it, it was easy for me to just uh, try to move on up. And I knew um, it was going to take a lot of work and you know, a lot of luck, because um, you know, I played. I played as soon as I got overseas, I started playing well, and you know, that helped me big time. And starting off, and you know, one of the one of the toughest leads in second division ten years ago was you know, it was, it was kind of tough that, that, uh, at that time i uh, playing well there and having the whole Spain you know, watching me play. Um, that helped me too. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's a lot of things that go into it. You know, a lot of coaches help me through this, through this time, you know, coaches give me a lot of confidence. And um, so I get to teams, coaches just say, Hey, play your game. And I actually let me, you know, let me play and, and do what I want and, you know, score the ball like I can. So, um, I mean, I think it all starts with, you know, my coaching staff and, and you know, like family members, just always pushing me, always telling me to be better, and you know, never be content. And you know, of course, I'm happy with my career for sure, but you know, I, I still kind of want more. Um, you know, I I won a few championships, but like I want, I want more. I want to leave a legacy. Like I said, I want to, you know, this is my home now, so I want to, um, I want to leave something when I'm done playing on this game when I retire. So. Um hopefully it continues, man, but I'm definitely blessed for sure. Um but it's, it's been it's been a long road. It's been a long couple of years from and... me. One of
1: one of the things that you've also been able to accomplish, which not everybody can, is to play at a uh, at a FIBA basketball world cup. You did that in at Spain two thousand fourteen uh for Dominican mm-hmm. Republic. Um your your mother's of Dominican uh descent. Maybe just what what was it what was it like uh playing at that uh, at that tournament at the, um, in Spain. And then obviously yeah. one of those games was in the group stage was against the United States and, you know, facing guys like Curry and, and, and Irving and, uh, Davis Harden, Derek Rose, all those guys. What was that whole experience like for you?
2: It was amazing, man. You know, I was, uh, to represent my, my mother's country, my mother's heritage, for uh, I want to say five years. I did it. Um, it was amazing. You know, I, I had a part in bringing them to the World Games the summer before. Um, you know, I was a special group of guys too. We had some good players like Francisco Garcia, you know, Carl Anthony Towns when he was going into Kentucky. You know, he was a youngster. He's still young, but younger. Um, but yeah, it was amazing. It was uh, it was a great feeling to to take the to take uh, the Dominican Republic to the World Games. It might have been their second time, I wanna say, in the World Games. So. It was definitely um, history for us and definitely for me. You know, my family was really, really proud of me putting on that jersey. So, you know, that that made me happy. Um, and then playing versus USA, we actually played them in New York, my hometown, um, before Spain. And my whole family and friends got to be able to see see the game and come to the Garden and watch it. Um, it was spectacular, man. It was, it was an amazing feeling. That was my first time playing at the Garden and even from being from New York. So, um, it was a special summer. That summer was definitely special. And then you know, um, being like playing on the same court as Steph and, and Kyrie and James and Anthony Davis and Cousins, and I could go keep on going. But um, it was definitely surreal. My first time, I like trying to shake the hand. I was like, damn, I feel like in the NBA, I'm shaking everybody's hands. But um, it was good. I uh, played well. Um, it was. It was it was a nice feeling to play well versus them. Um, it definitely gave me uh, confidence going into the season coming up. Um, but yeah, hopefully hopefully I can go back and represent the country again this summer in the World Games in China. Um, but that's you know, something I had to think about because it was definitely uh, it was definitely a special feeling putting on um, a national team jersey and knowing that you have a whole country you know, supporting you
1: was is is uh dominicans have have qualified for the uh for the world cup th- yeah. th- this this summer yeah. um is is uh china 2019 an option for you is that something you haven't played you didn't play in in the in the qualifiers at all but is uh is some is the world cup something that you're shooting for then uh this summer
2: yeah I mean, it was tough for me to go to the qualifiers because you know living in israel i would have to fly to the republic and you know, it's kind of, it's kind of hectic and we were like right in the middle of, um, this last window. Um, it was right before the, the Israeli cup and, um, Judas did really wanted to win the cup and they, they were afraid of like me being tired or me getting hurt or, or something like this. So, um, I just decided not to go. It was, it was more respect. It was for, it was more out of respect for them and the club. And, 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 you know, they, they wanted me to be here, be healthy and, um, but I wanted to go. Um, it was, it was, it was hard for me not to go. Um, I would watch the games here. Um, but yeah, I've been in contact with the, with the Federation. Um, I'm trying to figure out, um, I think my team will let me go. Um, it's just that I don't know if, if, you know, the, Dominican Republic wants to go with their, with their guys that made that took them to the world games, which I respect because they did the hard work. They won the games. They, they, they sweated and, um, and fought for this, for this qualification. So I wouldn't be mad if they want to take their guys, um, that they paid in this window. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll figure it out. soon um, after the season, I'll, I'll sit down and, and call them and, and figure out.
0: Cool. Yeah. And, and so you mentioned in the last world cup playing against some of those great NBA players. And I saw that, uh, a, a different time, I think a few years before that, when you went up against, another top nba guard right now in kimba walker who's also from the bronx uh like you i think i think you had like 50 points or something crazy um in in kind of like a summer league game against him uh what did, did you know kimba like growing up I, i've seen you kind of like uh you know retweeting some stuff about him in the past like did did you know him growing up and what was it like was actually, uh, play, playing in that game
2: no i was actually like one of my best friends um we grew we grew up together. Um, he went to school with with another with, with Edgar Sosa, uh, which is like my brother. So they were always hanging out. And you know, I went to a different school, but we we always met up and watched games. I went to their games. They came to my games in high school. Um, but yeah, before that game, we, we knew each other for a while. So uh, it was it was just you know we wanted to play against each other. Um, he called me and said, "Hey, I'm 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 home from Charlotte. Um, I'm playing this game. You want you want to play?" I was like, "I'm playing another team." Um, just to make the crowd, you know, have a little excitement because um, he had he brought Brandon Jennings with him and um, other other big names. So um, yeah, but yeah, that's that's like my best friend. I talk to him every day almost. Um, but yeah, that game that game was definitely special. Sometimes I still watch the highlights on YouTube from that game, and we talk about it all the time and joke around. And,
0: um,
2: and he hates he hates when people bring it up when we're together. <laughs> he's so competitive he's so competitive he they won the game though but he just hates that i had that many points and, and we still friends
0: <laughs> oh it's awesome
1: you you yeah. did you did get some uh, some titles um you you won the uh, greek league in 2017 you 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 uh you won two greek cups the serbian league title last year uh last month you helped Jerusalem to win the israeli cup I was just wondering where that Israeli Cup at home in Jerusalem kind of ranks in your uh, in your uh, trophy case.
2: Um, is that I want I want to say it's maybe number two. You know championships are always definitely um, a little a little tougher than cups um, because that's that's end of the season. You know bodies are aching. It's a long season. So uh, my both championships definitely rank up there in the top. Um, but this cup is definitely uh, up there because you know Jerusalem has won. Uh, Israeli Cup in eleven years um and plus it was at home in our stadium in that arena so it was def- it was definitely special with our fans and you know the, the the whole thing was basically red um you know it was it was amazing it was an amazing feeling uh atmosphere was crazy um the fans brought the energy for us and helped us win so it was definitely special and then seeing the um seeing the organization you know how they, how they um how they were so excited and so happy, you know, that that's, that definitely means something to me. Um, seeing the owners, seeing the GN, you know, the media people, everybody, like, really, really excited, like, celebrating with us. It uh, was definitely special, you know, I, I, saw, I saw it in their faces. Um, they really wanted this cup, so um, it was definitely special to bring it for them, to, to win the championship for them. Um, but, you know, we still got two more to fight for, and um, I think they'll be more excited with the other two. Um, so we, we just have to keep on going.
0: Yeah, you, you mentioned the atmosphere, there, and you've played in some really crazy environments. Uh, you know, in, with Panathinaikos and with Red Star. Uh, how how would you say the crowd in Jerusalem kind of stacks up? Uh, you know, for for people maybe who haven't been there and seen what a game is like there.
2: I mean, it's it's tough to compare them to to Panathinaikos and Red Star because you know the, those two clubs are like die hard um, fans and. The atmosphere is crazy. Uh, I think everybody knows about their atmosphere, but, you know, Jerusalem fans, you know, they, they they definitely could bring it. Um, they, they, they get better every game, you know, every, more, every important game, like, we play Maccabi, like, uh, they, they, they were there for the cup championship. They were there. Um, you know, it's, it's not so many people like Red Star and, and Pantenecos, cause you know, in Pantenecos, it was like 20,000 and Red Star is about 12,000, 15,000. So, it's about eight thousand, nine thousand we get, but they, they get loud for sure. Um, but yeah, we need them for for this top eight on the Champions League for sure, because we know we play a great team in in Tenerife. Um, so hopefully they come and they just they 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 they, they are like how they, they they were a couple a month ago in the in the cup finals.
0: Yeah, and there's a there's a chance if you guys make it to the final four. Uh, I I know the club really wants to host it. Uh, what what would it be like to play the final four there at home?
2: I mean, it'll be my first final four in my in my career, so um, that's definitely exciting. I want to do that for sure. Um, but it'll be it'll be great for the city. It'll be great for the organization. You know, everybody's gonna want to come. I watched. I actually watched the final four last year, the Champions League. Um, when Ike won it, and that atmosphere was oh, was unbelievable. Um, hopefully, we could we could get to the final four, and and all the fans of the Champions League could come here and and you know celebrate it, and you know see the city of Jerusalem, and you know take in all the history that's that's here. And I know the fans are going to be there. I know that for a fact. If, if we make it, so um, that's one of our goals. And we just you know we have to we have to fight for it. We just got to win these next two games.
0: Yeah, and you, you mentioned Ike. Obviously, they're the reigning champions. Uh, one of your teammates at Panathinaikos was uh, was Vince Hunter, who kind of joined the team mid season, and now uh, you know he's having an amazing year for Ike. Uh, you, you guys faced them twice during the regular season, both teams winning once. Uh, how mu- how much would you like to get another crack at him and Ike? Uh, you know, going up potentially in the final four.
2: Man, I talk to Vince on every, 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 probably every win or every, once a week. Every time they play in Champions League, I kind of text him on Instagram yeah. and, and, you know, we, we got this friendly rivalry, you um, know, he's a great guy. He came in as a rookie with Pantonekos mid-season, like you said. Um, you know, I, I helped him out a lot. Um, he's gotten better, man, over the years. I love, I love the way he plays. I love the energy he brings. Um, they say he's a short five, man, but he's super athletic, Um you know? As everybody knows, here up now. So I'm just happy for him. I'm happy that he's playing well, that hopefully he wins the MVP of the season because he's definitely, he's definitely up there. Um, but, like, yeah, like, like you said, I do, want, I do want another crack at him. Um, you know, we beat them the first game of the season, and then they came in our home and, you know, beat us badly, I want to say. Um, so um, I definitely want to see him again. Like you said, they're the reigning champ. So, I mean, to be a champ, you got to beat a champ. So, um hopefully we get the chance again and, and see him again um i know it's gonna be it's gonna be a um a tough game um but we can't i can't look forward you know we have to we have to look now and and Charlie you know right. Reef it has been having a great season um in both leagues and Champions League and the Spanish League so you can't look past them um and yesterday they dominated um for Mateo, so uh, I think they they were showing they were they were showing Basketball Champions League that that they're here to play and um, they shouldn't only people should only talk about Jerusalem and I they, they, we got to talk about them.
1: Well, you brought them up. Um, you mentioned you know um, that they came back from a twelve point deficit, the uh, first time ever that uh, um, that the that the team came that a team has come back from a twelve point that uh, double digit deficit to to win um you know and prometheus has been playing pretty good basketball all season and uh uh, dominic uh dominic uh waters a couple weeks ago said that uh you know that they're probably the best team or one of the favorites definitely um maybe what do you expect you know first uh you know two games uh you know it's it's 80 minutes to get to uh to the final four what's your expectations for the matchup
2: I mean, it's like like it's gonna to be tough like I'm in definitely um, they're definitely one of the top teams. Um, we just have to we, we is a battle. Um, you know first of all, the, the travel is, is crazy uh, for both teams, It's a long, long travel day for us. Um, but um, I don't know we I, I haven't i haven't really i watched the game yesterday, but I hadn't like broken down this film so I know they have called um Iverson I played against him a few times. Um but you know Spanish Spanish teams always have a couple of Spanish players that go under the radar and play well. And, um but yeah, I know they have a great team. Um so I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to the two battles, in you know, the eighty minutes. But yeah, we, we have this week to, to to reflect and you know, try to try to get more in tune and understand how they play and Know what they do, what their tendencies are. So, yeah, it's going to be a battle, man. Two of the best teams in the Champions League, and up in the top eight.
1: Definitely, uh, we look forward to it as well. Uh, James Feldin thanks for coming on the show. Appreciate you taking uh, so much time uh, out of your uh, day off uh, and, uh, and giving it to us. Good luck and uh, safe thanks. travels uh, around uh, uh, the long travel to to and from uh, to uh, to Tenerife.
2: Thank
0: you, man. I appreciate you guys. All right. Thanks again to James Feldin for joining us on this week's podcast. Uh, Dave, there was a lot of great stuff there. What What jumped out to you from what James had to say?
1: I you know kind of like we talked about last week with Jerry Grant um you know having to prove himself uh, and you know always you know not not being uh you know just having to fight through so much and and you know going from the beginning of his college where he really was a, a total non-factor and then and then uh being really one of the best players in his conference and then kind of doing the same thing in Europe you know playing second division in in, in Spain and then and then just really making the jumps, you know, it was, it was cool hearing him, uh, talk about that. And, um, and how you just, you know, sometimes you just have to just, you know, just do your thing, persevere and, and and get it done. So, uh, and it's, it's cool that he's also recognized, you know, moving around, you know, a little bit and, you know, it's a lot, sometimes, you know, a lot of players do move around a lot now, you know, saying, all right, I'm, you know, getting into the thirties and I want to, you know, settle down a little bit and figure out where I'm going to be over a long term. So, uh, and I'm happy for him, happy for that organization to have a guy like him over the long, long term now.
0: Yeah, I thought that was really cool that he said he wants to you know stay in Jerusalem, build a legacy there, help that organization win even more mm-hmm. titles. And that, that team, that organization is set up incredibly well. I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they win the BCL. I wouldn't be surprised if they win the Israeli League and knock off Maccabi Tel Aviv for that title. Just so much talent on this team. So many professional guys, like he mentioned, who just show up, do their job, work well together, accept their roles. I have loved watching this jerusalem team all season long and i can't wait for that quarterfinal matchup against tenerife uh dave any final thoughts before we wrap this up don't forget uh saturday is the
1: draw for the fiba basketball world cup 2019 so we will know the full road for china 2019 um and i guess that's going to have to have to hold us over uh until the until the quarterfinal games
0: Yeah, that's a great point. Make sure you check out the draw for the FIBA Basketball World Cup. That's going to do it for this week's episode. We will have a podcast, even though there's there's no games next week, but we'll have a quarterfinal preview podcast next week going over all of these matchups in depth. We'll bring on a couple special guests to help us do that. So stay tuned for that next week. And make sure you check out championsleague.basketball, the official website. There's going to be content going up on the site throughout the next couple weeks to get you ready for the quarterfinals. Make sure you subscribe to livebasketball.tv if you haven't done that yet. Check out the official Champions League YouTube page for some of the highlights, and you can watch some of these games in full uh, over the next couple weeks to get ready for the quarterfinals as well, and download the official Champions League app. It's completely free and has everything you need to get you ready for the playoffs, so Thanks again to our guest, James Feldin from Hapuell, Jerusalem. For Dave Hine over in Germany, my name is Austin Green, and this has been BCL Coast to Coast.